0: Welcome to this episode of Stand Out, the podcast to better your business brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Listen in and you'll walk away with insights from exemplary members who share their business acumen and the newest ideas from authors and thought leaders relevant to the organizing and productivity industry. And now, here's your host, longtime NAPO member, Claire Kumar.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of NAPO's Podcast Standout. I'm your host, Productivity Catalyst, Claire Kumar. And as always, you know I say this almost every episode because I'm excited by every topic of conversation that I'm privileged to get into. Today is one that is maybe a little sobering, maybe a little real. But it's so important and there is, I just want to preface this by saying there is such joy and love in what we're going to talk about. I have today with us, one of our members, her name is Amelia Pleasant Kennedy. And before I introduce Amelia, I just thought I'll talk about what we're going to talk about and give you a little bit of insight into who Amelia is. Before we dive into this conversation, we're going to be talking about the critical role of organizing in caregiving and it's something that you know what if something happens i mean as parents if you're a parent out there you know that caregiving changes all the time the needs of who we're looking after changes and we have to kind of think and anticipate uh what's going to happen uh in advance we have to do a lot of planning responding in the moment and sometimes we're invited to care for others who are not just children they are members of our family they are elders they are partners And this can require a whole set of skills, which if we're organizers, we are super primed to be good at. We are amazing noticers, thinkers, anticipators, and we have a big role to play. And so I have Amelia here joining us because not only is she an experienced professional organizer, she runs A Pleasant Solution. She's been a member of NAPO since 2018, the president of the Michigan chapter, recently volunteered for the NAPO Awards and Recognition Committee. So she's a really active member of NAPO has organizing experience and also has deep caregiving experience that came upon her in the middle of her life and so i'm really excited to talk about this really important topic i want to welcome you now with a huge embrace amelia and thank you for joining us
0: today thanks so much for having me it's a pleasure
1: Oh yeah, it's great to have you here. I know in our pre-interview we could have talked, I could have talked to you for hours. So we're going to we're going to keep this to a wonderful about half hour as as I aim to with all of our chats, but I want to start with maybe you can share a little bit of what your journey was to become a caregiver and the connection you made to organizing skills being so important in that.
0: Absolutely. So, I decided to become a professional organizer in 2018. And I actually started by taking Napo University classes and working at the container store to gain some practical skills. And during that time, one of my mother's very close friends reached out to my brother and myself and mentioned that my mother's memory had been showing signs of changing. And that she thought it was getting to a critical point, which opened the door to the conversation with my brother about next best steps to have that conversation with my mother and decide what was in her best interest and would ensure that her next decades were as happy and successful as we wish them to be for her. So we basically went straight to her. And we sat down and we said, we notice your memory is changing. We no longer believe that it is safe for you to live independently. Given that circumstance, how can we make the transition to assisted living the best, the happiest, the most healthy for you? So our conversation was very much centered on her, her wishes, what she liked about her current living arrangements. And I knew that the skills that I was learning through my day-to-day organizing and the NAPO classes would support me in the -the behind-the-scenes work, right? The packing, the moving, the decision-making, the paperwork management, the financial management, the estate planning, all of that, I gained confidence in those areas from NAPO and then was able to apply them directly to downsizing her and preparing her for assisted living near me here in Michigan.
1: Okay. So thank you for sharing that story. I want to back up a little bit to go to that moment. So your your mother was living in a different place, which makes sense then that the friend reached out to you because I want to go back to that moment because this triggering of this invitation to now provide care or help your mother get the care that she needed. I can imagine in a lot of families, we're kind of afraid to even bring it up. So you had the cue from somebody outside who was noticing. What happened in that moment? You brother and you went together to talk to your mom. How did that work? You must've had a conversation with your brother at some point and how how did you align to figure out what your approach was? And I'm not supposed to do double loaded questions, but I want you to perhaps go from there into, your conversation sounded very practical and very based on fact. So so give me the journey a little bit of how you navigated that with your brother and then how you formulated what kind of conversation you were going to have with your mom.
0: Absolutely. So I had been noticing the changes in her memory as well. So my mother's friend's comments, because I was at a distance, her comments sort of solidified and supported what I had been noticing. So it was not a shock to my brother or myself. It was more supportive and reinforcing what we had already been noticing. So the conversation with my brother was very much about how do we approach this with love? How do we approach this conversation with respect? How do we approach it? Not knowing 100% what is best for her, except for that decision that she can no longer live independently. So we had a brief discussion and made some plans to join together with her. My brother actually decided to take care of her house. So she still actually owns the house she was living in. He manages it as a property manager. We rented out. So that was his portion. And then my responsibility was to bring her close to me and meet her day-to-day needs and support her in that way.
1: That's beautiful. I love how you partnered in that and guided your mom to a more beautiful transition. Can you tell me a little bit about... You know, if I'm I'm thinking about organizers who might be listening to this and people who have this kind of situation potentially coming up and maybe not being able to get together in person, just navigating that whole thing, what might you think would be helpful advice or a voice of experience from your perspective on how to approach that conversation, things to think about? There's a mixture of this deep compassion, understanding, curiosity, generosity, and then there's the side of, practically, we got to get some stuff done and marrying those two. Any any thoughts you'd like to share on that?
0: Yes, I think it's really about setting the baseline understanding that the emotional journey is not going to be easy for anyone. And once you allow yourself to accept that it's going to be rocky, no one wants to really Have those difficult conversations, but that they need to be had and need to just kind of get started with one another. Once you set that baseline, understanding that it's going to be difficult, it's going to be emotional, then the work for the practical shines through a little bit easier. So we started by saying, We know this isn't what you want to hear we know that this isn't what you want to do but from that place how can we make this as easy and as practical as possible for you so i actually worked on the decluttering and the downsizing in my mother's house on my own she was not She was emotionally distraught. She was not able to make those powerful choices about what to keep and what to let go of. And so I had to make decisions from a place of the absolute essentials of what she valued, what she used, things that I had recognized over her lifetime that I wanted, I knew would spark powerful memories for her in her new home. And then I set aside the paperwork and the estate planning as a separate project. I did not try to do them both simultaneously.
1: That sounds like a wise decision. I want to focus on you for a second in this because you're going to a home of your mom. I don't know if you lived there as well and whether it was emotionally charged for you looking at these things. So I've found that, yes, it's very easy for me or easier for me to help somebody who's for the things that I'm not emotionally attached to. When you talk about the emotional journey being difficult, was it difficult for you in this process as well? And in what ways?
0: It was difficult for me, but I found that the best approach was actually to compartmentalize. So to separate my emotional journey from the task at hand, given the time frame.
1: Given the time frame, you had a deadline kind of thing. You were going to list the house to rent it out or something, or your mom was going to move.
0: It was actually a deadline for me in the sense that I have three children of my own. I was traveling from Michigan to West Virginia. I gave myself two weeks to leave my family, work on this project, pack her up, and then move her to Michigan. So it was less about the house itself and more about the time frame that worked best for me. So I was working intensely to get items out of the home as well as get items packed up for her new assisted living apartment.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense, especially when you're you're coming from away and three children. So you were remote caregiving while you were <laughs> looking out for your mom too. You've got to obviously have a very supportive partner to kind of navigate all of this too. Does that come into play?
0: Absolutely. And I think another thing that I'd I'd like to mention is that my mother's home was showing and her brain was showing signs of chronic disorganization. So the clutter had really accumulated over the years. And it was interesting now upon reflection i can see that potentially as a sign of what was changing internally for her she was no longer able to manage the bookkeeping the paperwork the housekeeping so coming into her home it was about really narrowing down to the essentials that mattered the most for her and really communicating that she wasn't able to continue to take all of that with her, that powerful choices needed to be made.
1: Yeah. I love that you mentioned that. And it reminds me of our initial conversation where there may be signs, you know, if you're, if you're in this position and you've got an elder parent, for example, let's just take that example. What can people be tuning into as clues that You might need to pay more close attention. There might need to be some support offered and what you're talking about, you know, going on that journey that you've been on. What should people be paying attention to the level of the level of organization that is evident? What else can be a clue?
0: Yeah, I mean, for her, I think there was definitely more coming into the home than going out. She had lost the initiative to keep the house clean, keep the house straight. She had lost the initiative to return items that she didn't want to the store anymore or what had changed inside of her. She no longer felt comfortable managing her finances. And so ask for support from the friend who later brought up the change to me. Just the mail had started to pile up and not be processed, as well as her day-to-day cooking and caring for herself. The initiative level had gone down from her previous day-to-day routines.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. But when you were describing it, I thought, oh my gosh, that describes so many people now. (laughs) The initiative to keep things up and the number of clients I've been in the homes where the number of Amazon boxes that need to go back, there's a function of things shifting around in which a lot of people can be overwhelmed. But there are, you know, tuning into a change in what's going on and that sense of overwhelm or frustration, were there emotional cues that would come out? Was there frustration or or did you really have to look around to kind of pick that up?
0: The common phrase that she often said was, there's so much going on. That sounds pretty innocuous.
1: That seems like everybody what everyone would say, but tuning into that was a really important thing.
0: Yes, because it became a refrain, she became less social, less adventurous, going out, getting together with friends. So at a certain point, that phrase no longer seemed to make sense with the way that she was operating her day to day life. There were not a ton of activities going on. What it was reflective of for me was perhaps the noise in her brain, the changes of trying to keep up with the house the mail the activities the schedule the prescriptions just the things that we normally do day to day it was no longer easy for her to control and manage all of the incoming information
1: I have such empathy for that. And as evidenced by before, before we got on this call, Amelia and I sat through me trying to look at my computer and how to figure out how to make sure there were no alarms coming on. And I got overwhelmed looking at the instructions. I was like, why is there just no on off? I don't think I understand. So the world is getting increasingly complex. and. I love the nuance that you're talking about, that this refrain actually was incongruent then with the way she was living. I want to shift a little bit because I know when we spoke earlier, you talked about this is sort of an unexpected role to move into and a pretty consuming one at that, but there have been positives. There has been joy in this journey. And I wonder if you can talk about some of what the unexpected gems that have come out of this have been for
0: you. A hundred percent. I'm a mindset coach as well. And I love thinking about what becoming a caregiver has done for me. It was a choice for me to become my mom's primary caregiver. And the takeaways that I have found are really about what being present for someone where time is no longer A major driver or a factor her time shifts from moment to moment now to be totally present to be in the here and now and to know that a celebration can occur at any moment because time is not fixed
1: oh my gosh that's so powerful a celebration can happen at any moment because time is not fixed in our time pressured world where we've driven by time so much, that sounds lighter.
0: Yes. And it's also allowed me to get a better sense of what I wish for myself as I age. So I understand even more important how important estate planning is. I am caring for her and showing up for her in ways that I would want to be treated if I were in her position. And so anytime it gets challenging or difficult, for me, that is always what I remind myself of is that she is teaching me the patience and the self-compassion to be the human being that I would want caring for me if dementia was part of my life.
1: That's beautiful, ah, uh, thank you for sharing that. I think that's an important thing to think about because I think it's easy to think about caregiving as a burden as another to do as another thing to take on, and so just highlighting that there's there's a different aspect to it, and if you can step into sensing that and those moments of joy they're there to be had so Yeah, I love that. What would you say? Maybe we'll finish with this question. What would you say to somebody who is in the organizing profession and realizes they understand this world? They think they have something to add to this. How would we support our clients if we're noticing this is coming up? Say somebody reaches out to us and it's their parents who are in another remote location what can you offer for organizers who might be thinking this is something that they'd love to support that they could take away and find useful?
0: I think the first most powerful point is to be very clear about who is the client. Because when families are involved, it is the person who is unwell or unable to care for themselves that needs the most support. So if you're communicating directly with the adult children, just keeping in mind that the parent is still really the center of the conversation and that the goal is not necessarily to make things the best for the adult children, but really to serve the parent in the best way possible for them and that can be a fine line of negotiating i understand but just continuing to bring it back to what supports the parent in every capacity
1: Mm -hmm. how about i had a particular situation where wonderful client of mine the parents had hired me to do work and then eventually passed and their kids then reached out to have help with their estate and the house and so on. And there was a lot of tension between siblings, very high levels of tension. Any thoughts on that? Do you have any experience with that or any advice for that particular situation?
0: Yeah, one, I think a team approach is always best. So, you know, we as organizers may or may not be trained negotiators between siblings. So recognizing where your limits as an organizer or productivity professional where your limits are and knowing that it's okay to bring in someone else to help negotiate between siblings. And then there's power I think in recognizing what gifts each individual brings to the conversation and playing up those for everyone to see. So one person in the family just might have a stronger skill in one area, and another another person another. So, really bringing everyone into the conversation at their best and at their strength, rather than what they're being most challenging about.
1: Mm-hmm. Amazing perspective. It was very interesting to navigate that one when, when I was in that position, and I thought, "Wow, yeah, a very very interesting." opportunity actually because there was learning about self in the process so yeah very cool any parting words for someone who's you know maybe have just found out that this is something that they're coming across with and they're just beginning this journey any words of encouragement or final words from you on that
0: yeah start by allowing the emotion it is such a difficult transition it can be disappointing, it can be bittersweet, it can be heart-wrenching, but allowing that emotion and then also stepping into understanding that power is needed to make clear decisions as the next step. We often try to keep those two separate and in any major life transition we know that the emotion is gonna come along with us. So making time and space to allow those challenging times to really exist and then asking for help, asking for support from others in your, in your family, in your community and reaching out and knowing that you're not alone so that you can then step into the role of decision maker as well.
1: I love that. This is the ultimate marriage of the hard practical skills and the need for what we call soft, which I think are harder, harder skills to necessarily not everybody has it necessarily. And so to step into that and to grow into some of those skills and to remember, remember to not just focus on task, but remember to think about the how this is going for everybody's heart that's involved, including your own. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: And caring for yourself as well. You know, you as the caregiver really deserve the time and the space to recharge and just like in an organizing profession, you can get burnout as a caregiver and keeping watch out for that as well.
1: Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was asked to, I was interviewed to be on a podcast for an Ontario caregiving association and they recognize the strength of organizing talent. Like you need to be, You need to be on top of things for the caregiving itself and then also to self-manage. So yeah, there was a lot of conversation about both pieces. Again, you can't continue to give if you're depleted. So it's a critical piece. So I love that you mentioned, you know, you made it a two-week commitment because you still had to navigate all of the other commitments and responsibilities of love that you have and take care of yourself in the process.
0: Yes. And we still had to go out to dinner and go to the movies and spend time together during that process. There had to be a little fun mixed in there too
1: love it that's so important well amelia thank you so much for sharing so much of your personal journey and how it relates to being an accomplished organizer as well and how the two combine so beautifully i hope this is inspiring listeners out there who are have thought about this or who who find themselves in this position to look forward to it with some new thinking and strategies on how to approach this and have a really meaningful definitely challenging but potentially uplifting experience through the whole journey So Amelia, thanks again for joining us. I appreciate having you with me today for our listeners. Of course, please. I always encourage you to check out all the episodes at napopodcast.com. Drop a comment. Let Amelia know if you're caregiving as well. We'll be posting this, of course, on social media. So throw a comment in about your experience and what you've learned from it. It's wonderful to share as a community the outcomes or what the podcast might make you think about. And this one is for me incredibly provocative. And I'm, I'm hopeful that this touches many of the people out there, many of you who are listening. So until the next episode, please be safe, be kind and enjoy your journey. That's all for
0: today's episode of Stand Out brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters and more.